Welcome to Citadel Church Sermon of the Week. Citadel Church is here to connect you to God and to develop you for influence. For more information about Citadel Church, you can visit www.citadelchurch.com. Here's the latest sermon by Pastor Tracy Armstrong. Today I want to talk to you about socks and bibs. (laughs) Socks and bibs. Today's message is called Socks and Bibs. It's interesting. When I grew up with my, I changed the, my, I changed the title. <laughs> it was, it was genuine faith, but I like socks and bibs better. Um, when, when I was growing up, my grandmother, she always, you know, my grandmother was such a great mother. She, she, um, she, she basically raised me. My, my mother did a great job and my mother is a, hopefully she's watching today. My mother's a great uh, woman as well, but and my grandmother, she, I would always get holes in my socks. And back in the day, you didn't throw those socks away. You had, you had to learn how to sew those socks up. I don't know if, if that's the same modern thing because socks are not as in, you know, expensive as they used to be, I think. I think we just can uh, go and get a 50-cent bag of socks. And we have so many socks, I don't even know what to do with our socks. But I remember that there was, there was a, a gathering together and there was a sewing and there was always sewing, especially in my house with my grandmother because I was only one of the many men, that young men that were growing up in there, in their house. And, and so it was, it was interesting to see how a mother handles a sock. But that's not what I want to talk about. I want to talk about what my, mom, my wife did. My wife did with socks. Well, she probably didn't encourage it, but she actually encouraged it after my son, Tristan. I'm sorry to tell on you, Tristan. After my son, Tristan, we have this picture. It's one of my most favorite pictures of, of, of Tristan. And he is really, I think he's one, one years old, maybe. And we were the kind of parents that tried to prevent our children from having guns, being into guns and violence and that kind of thing. And not because we were against it. We just didn't, I don't know. We just didn't want it. We wanted him to learn how to use his words before he learned how to use a gun. And so we had these, we were like, don't give him any guns, no squirt guns, none of those things. And so we, we put letters on the, on, the, on the refrigerator. You know, there's, there's a letter that's shaped like this. It's called an L. Do you know, without ever seeing a gun, activity of gun, he grabbed the gun, and, which was an L, and he made that L into a gun. After a while, my wife is going, hey, honey, you know he's going to just, you know, this is what he, he's going to do. And mom starts to encourage me to broaden my mindset for my son, to expand him. Then one day I see this picture that comes around. And this picture is my son, and he has these black socks, my, you know, dress socks, on his arms all the way up to here and all the way up to here, and he has this bib that he's supposed to be eating with flipped around. Because at the same time, we didn't give him any guns. We didn't give him any costumes. (laughs) We didn't give him any costumes, but there's something that mom is encouraging in him that he's great, that he's powerful, that he's super, that he is mighty. And, and all of a sudden, he doesn't have a costume, but he takes my socks. And he pulls the socks all the way up to his arms, and he flips this bib around, and this picture of him going like this. Because he is now Superman with socks and bibs. It's amazing what mom can make a child feel like. A mom can, in, can create an image in a child to the point that they will make anything around them 
manifest this image. This image will then become them. You don't put an image on. You don't wear what's in your mind. You wear and your mind changes. And the way a mother dresses a child is setting the mindset of the child. It's important that you see that. You know that. A child doesn't say, hey, I want to wear suspenders. A child doesn't say that. But there is a mother that will say, I want you to be sophisticated or I want you to do this. And she will frame the mindset of the child by what she is putting on the child. Someone say frame the mindset. So the Bible says for us that we are to put on Christ. Well, when we put on Christ, we don't put on Christ because we have the mind of Christ. We put on Christ to get the mind of Christ. You put him on and your mindset changes. Your image changes. The moment that boy put on these socks that were black nylon socks and he stuck his hands in socks and the bib went flying around and she goes, that's cute. Get me, let me get the camera. And she grabs the camera, takes a picture and she shows everybody. I want you to know at that moment, that boy was encouraged that he was super and it didn't matter how he was dressing, that there was a super in him. There's someone in the Bible that has intrigued me more this year than anyone else, really has affected my life, really has transformed me, really has changed how I think and what I see. And it's Hannah. Hannah has affected me. I mean, affected me in a major way. It's interesting because I was studying the book, the Bible, and I'm studying the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel, and I'm looking at Hannah, and I'm thinking, why isn't Hannah in the New Testament? Why didn't she come and make it to the Hebrews' category of faith? There's something about Hannah that is dramatically, and I want to introduce you to how I see her today because she is someone who wasn't a mother but had every instinct within her to become I just think this is amazing look at this I want to read this let's turn let's turn to first uh, Samuel chapter 2 first Samuel chapter 2 and let's look at verse 17 and in verse 17 we're going to step into this comparison that's going on with Eli's sons and 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 Samuel someone say Samuel now, if you don't know, Samuel is the son of Hannah. The Hannah, Hannah prayed and believed God. And we're going to go through her prayer in a moment. But she prayed and believed God for a son. And she was in a house where someone had a child. And they were, they, the Bible calls them the, the rival. She was the one that was making fun of Hannah going, Hannah, uh, I, I bought this for my clothes and my children. And I did this for my children. And I did this for my children. Do you do that for your children? And then she goes off mocking and laughing. And the whole time Hannah is feeling like she is getting, she's getting just bombarded with, uh, with this attitude from this woman in her house. And it causes a grief and the Bible calls it pain. It causes grief and pain to her because she so desperately wants a child. She so desperately desires a child. And at the same time, she sees something coming easy to someone else and is creating an anxiety and anxiousness, a pain. Someone say pain. It's interesting that the, the, the declaration from the garden is that you will have your children will be, you will have your birth pains, your pains. It didn't say just physical pain. I have noticed that there's something with birthing. Someone say birthing. There's something with birthing, birthing, not only children, but birthing anything takes, it's, there's, it's painful. It's painful to birth a new business. It's painful to birth a new ministry. 
You guys got all quiet on me. It's painful to birth. Anything that's coming from the invisible to the natural, it's a painstaking. It, there's pain associated to them. And I found that this is so interesting and so intriguing that here you have mothers who have the power to bring something from the invisible and manifest it to where everybody can see. That's something that men can't do. There's a, there's a, there's an, in, there's an, there's a power <laughs> that's associated to it. And so Hannah's in this situation and she, she prays to God and she, and God answers her prayer and, and she has a son by the name of Samuel. Now, one of the things that was associated to this prayer is that I'm going to give him to your house forever. He's going to be yours. He is, I just want to bring him into the earth. How many of you know, mothers, you have this urgency, this desire just to birth something. Just to birth something. I don't want to birth any more children. But you have this thing inside of you. You are anointed to birth something. Maybe it's a business. Maybe it's a book. Maybe it's a curriculum. Maybe it's a new mindset. But you have this anointing to birth something. If you are a woman, you have the anointing to birth something. This is, this is hard somehow in the spirit. That you have anointing to bring something. I know there's, there's a life where the world is telling you to be mediocre. But I'm telling you, you can't be mediocre. Because you're the only one that has the power to force something from the invisible into the natural. You're the only one. You have the ability to force it. Someone say force it. That's what makes it painful. You're forcing something. So we see in this story, we're going to read here in a moment, we see that, 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 that Hannah's delivered Samuel to the house of the Lord and he's been now raised by Eli. And there's a comparison going on in 1 Samuel chapter 2 with Eli's children and Samuel. Now these are both now in the house of Eli, but there's a comparison because one doesn't come from a painful birth. The two sons of Eli don't come from a painful birth. They come from entitlement. They come from ease. And the Bible says that these that came from ease were corrupted. It's amazing when you get something easy, how how corruption can sneak in. When something comes without a birth pain, corruption sneaks in. If you're given something and you never have to fight for it, corruption sneaks in. And these men became so corrupt that what they would do is when the offerings would come, they would ask for the best portions. And it, the, the, without going into detail, the meat that is given is supposed to be given as, it, as it's cooked already. It, because it cooks all the fat out. It cooks all the excess out. It cooks anything that's not worth out of it. It's a process of going through uh, breaking down, breaking down things that were unused and unnecessary. And then that would be offering to the Lord. They said, no, give it all to us. And the part of the issue is that it was, it was, they loved the fat. They loved the waste. And so they would, and they, and if it didn't, wasn't offered, they would say, we're going to just take it. Come on, say, they're going to just take it. Now this was a corrupt mindset. But look what it says here in verse 17. Therefore, the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for men abhorred the offering of the Lord. Their actions were in such a way, it was not birthing anything. It was not creating anything. It was not generating anything. It was in such a way that it caused people not to want to give offerings. 
This was the corruption. Now look at the next verse, verse 18. But Samuel ministered before the Lord. Before the Lord, even as a child wearing a linen ephod. I want you to see this. So so a linen ephod is something that is isolated to the high priest. They, they call him the Kohen Gadol. It's isolated to this one individual. There has never been a child in history wearing one. There has never been a child in history wearing a linen ephod because it's only for adults to wear. But look what happened. How did this guy get the linen ephod? In verse 18, it says, but Samuel ministered the Lord before the Lord, even as a child wearing a linen ephod. Verse 19, moreover, his mother used to make him a little robe. That little robe is the ephod. She made him a little linen ephod and she dressed him like a high priest. She put something, she put socks and bibs on him. Come on, somebody. She put socks and bibs on him and told him that he can be a Superman. He told him that he can be someone. You are a Cohen Gadol, and I am going to keep on investing in you. This was not coming from Eli. See, Eli didn't know how to raise kids. We saw what he did. He raised corrupt kids. But Hannah, once a year, would come in with a robe that only the high priest, now you could only, as a, as a current uh, Gadol, could only have this if you had prophetic revelation or some kind of prophetic statement about you that you were called to be this high priest. And here, here's Eli walking in it. He's the only one that's supposed to be wearing it. And here's little Samuel. Every year, his mom comes and says, here you go, son. I spent all year making this complete, absolute replica of your future. Oh, did you see this? She was, she was framing his future by what he was wearing. She was framing who he was called to be. Do you not see this? I see this. Moreover, his mother used to make him a, a, a linen ephod. She used to make it and bring it to him year by year when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. She came up sewing this all year. Now, you don't know. I guess I needed to get one because the intricacies of making an exact replica, it's not simple. It's not simple. The mind that she's working every year, okay, he goes from eight years old. He's now grown an inch. She spends the year making him another one so it fits him in that next year. Do you know what a mother can do? She can make you fit for the next year. She can frame you for the next year. Mothers, that's what you do. You start to put an impression on your children and those that are around you, and you frame their future by what you see in them. They may not see it themselves, but when you put it on them, And Eli was so excited. He says, I like this. Your, your boy is great. He is awesome. I bless you. And the Bible says that Eli prayed for the family to have more children because if you produce one like this, you need to have a bunch of them. Eli wasn't jealous that this little kid was walking around trying to take his position. He looked at his kids and knew I didn't do it. He didn't raise Samuel. Because you can birth something into the natural 
because you are womb men. God gave you the womb to bring something from the invisible into the natural. God gave you the womb to bring something from the invisible into the natural. God gave you. Now that womb is not only natural. That womb is not only natural because that womb is associated to something different. Hebrews, let's look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse three says, by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed. Someone say framed by the word of God. The worlds were framed. See, there's a framework that's taken place every time Hannah made that little outfit and put it on him. Can you imagine? He comes looking out. I don't know. When you wear a suit, you walk a little bit differently. I remember I would, I would, I wanted to go and play with my suits on. In, in high school, I, my, my mom loved to dress me. My, I, in high school, I would literally just go in and I was the only person in, as a sophomore, sophomore, I don't know if you have sophomores anymore, but as a sophomore wearing suits, I wore suits every single day. Every day I wore suits. Every day, suit, tie, walking in. There's a whole different respect. I was able to hang out with the jocks and the stoners because they liked my suits. You guys don't know anybody about jocks and stoners. How many know the way you dress, the way you dress frames the way your mind is, but it also frames the way people mind towards you is. If you look, oh, praise the Lord. We need to have some parents dressing some kids, some mamas dressing kids based upon the framework of where you think their future is. You're the one that frames their future. By faith, someone say faith. So faith is the framing thing. I believe that women, you are anointed with faith. I believe that God has anointed you with faith to frame, to frame things. I, I like this word frame, but frame means to fit or to prepare or to unite several parts in a regular structure and or an entire thing. Fabrics that come together, that, that construct a union of various parts. You are a framer with your faith. I didn't need everybody to tell me I was good. I just needed my mama to tell me I was good. I didn't need everybody to believe me, but I needed my mama to believe in me. The young guy that stands at the end after running that football and he gets that touchdown, he doesn't say thanks dad for throwing the football with me. He says, thanks mom. Because there's something about mom framing his mindset that he could do it was more, that is more powerful than the ability of dad to help him throw it. Someone say birthed it. You have to know that these, this, if you want to really step into your power, mom, your power is to birth and to frame things from the exist, from what is not existing to that which is existing. He says, so that the things which are seen were not made of the things. The things 
Sorry, I skipped it real quick. For the things which are seen are not made of the things which are visible. They're made of the things unseen. The power that God shared with humanity that he didn't share it with everybody at the same level. I looked at my sons, my daughter, when they came and I said, where'd you come from? It was like a new experience. My wife looked like them, like she'd been walking with them for nine months. I knew what they would look like. I was like, where'd you come from? She's like, you know where they came from. I'm like, not that, but you. You guys need to loosen up. Look with me here to 1 Samuel 1, 11 in the message. Hopefully we have the message Bible. Here says 1 Samuel chapter 1, it says, then she made a vow. Now this was, this was important uh, to, to see because when I started to study Hannah, the thing that was most intriguing about Hannah, the mother who was crying out, this is right after that, that she's being teased and she's had enough. And she gets up from the dinner table and she goes, I'm going to the temple. And she goes into the, t- the temple and she begins to pray. And this is what she prays. And she uses a term that had never been used before to describe God. She used a term to describe God that mankind had never encountered. This term had never been encountered by anyone. I would think, just as you read it, I would think that a man who was going to war would have called on the name of this God. But look what it says. It says, then she made a vow, O God, of the angel armies. In some translations, she called out to the Lord of hosts. To the Lord of hosts. Sava, the Lord Sava, the Lord who is able to command, the Lord who is able to create from nothing. And when she says, she cries out and she makes a vow, she says, oh God of the angel's army. This was not Joshua calling out to the angel's army. This was not Moses calling out to the God of the angel's army. This is a woman who wants to birth a child. She's the first one introducing, (laughs) come on church. She's the first, maybe I've been meditating on this all year. I'm all freaked out about it. She's the first one to call on the God who is a warrior. It's been El Shaddai. It's been, it's been Jehovah Jireh. It's been Jehovah Makadesh. It's been all these other Jehovahs, but I need the one that is able to go to war. When you need to birth something, you need the God that's ready to fight. Don't send me some sassafras. I'm sorry, I was about to get out. Sissified God. Give me a God that is able to burst something from nothing. Give me the God that is able to fight. I'm telling you, I believe with all my heart. I went through several titles of this message. One was the, the God of mothers. The God of mothers is the God who's able to send a host of angels to war. When you see Jesus birthed into the earth, there was an angel army. Again, with birthing something in the earth, there's always an angel army. When something's coming from the invisible, it always comes with a procession of angel armies forcing it into the earth. This is the God of mothers. If you need to birth something in the earth, you don't need any old name. 
need the name that is able to usher that which is not. And she finds this name. She pulls this name from faith. No one's ever taught this name before. This is not a name that everybody's used to saying. No man has ever referred to this name before. But it's a woman. Sorry to to women to say it that way, but it's amazing. It's amazing to me that someone that is in such pain, in such desperation, See, when you're in pain and desperation, you don't need a passive God. You need a God that is able to fight. Can I have a woman of God in this place to say, send me the God that is able to fight. I'm ready to burst something. Send me the God that wants to war. I'm ready to burst something. Send me the God that wants to win. I want to burst something. Don't be shy, women. Stand up today and say, I want the God, the Lord Sava. I believe that there's a, the reason the Lord's been having me meditate on this, I believe that there's a movement of women that are going to stand up and say, it's time for the greatest things that have ever been birthed into the earth. It's time for them to come alive. And we're not going to be that passive, silent doormat anymore. I am anointed to birth things. I have faith that pulls from the invisible into this realm of the seeing. I have faith to do it. It's who I am. It's in my being. It's like my very works. It's in my body. It's my hard drive and my software. I'm anointed. Anointed to birth something. I'm anointed to dream bigger than anybody else. I'm anointed to be creative like no one else. It's the aspect that God shared with women. And it's the very reason I believe the devil chased the woman in the garden instead of following the man into war. I want you to know that look at this. She calls her and she says, the first time ever mentioned ever it's the same God of peace that crushes Satan every time you see the word God almighty Lord almighty Lord of hosts you see this I want you to understand that there are several things that she's pulling on she's saying God you have created an innumerable number of angels like that You're the God that has so many children, you can't count them. Can you not give me one? Oh, come on, church. I can't count. You you said you have made so many that it's, it's impossible to count. Can't you just bring one through me? She called on this God because she was in a pain that no one had ever felt before. She was in an urgency that no one ever encountered before. See, when you've gone through something that no one else goes through, you are able to call on a name that no one knows. No one knew that name because they'd never had that pain. Why am I going through this? Because you're about to have a revelation of God that no one else knows. You're about to see something that no one else, there are no name that no one else has ever called on because no one has ever gone through the pain you've gone through. The power of invention is your pain. The power of birthing is your pain. The power of creation is your pain. 
The other thing I want you to understand is she wanted that God that would fight. That was going to love her enough to fight for her. Give me, give me the God that has commanded angels that are warring. I, I thought to myself, how many times has God actually gone to war with these angels? I mean, these angels are sitting around waiting for someone to have some, some babies. I mean, literally, there's no wars going on in heaven right now. And yet he has a whole army. What is this army for? It's to birth things. It's to birth your business, Julaine. It's to birth the baby that you've been praying for. These angels are waiting for you to have such faith that says it comes right now. It comes right now. I'm birthing something in the earth. I learned a lot from Hannah this year. I've never been mesmerized by someone more than Hannah. I'm blown away by her. That she would have the audacity to stand in front of God's throne and say, you send me now. And I promise I'm going to give it back to you. I just need to fulfill this craving to birth. You can't explain the craving to birth, can you? Why do you want to have a baby? I don't know. Why do you want to start that business? I don't know. Why do you want to write that book? You can't explain the, you can't explain the, the desire to bring something from the invisible. I believe that there is an anointing that is coming to the earth that's going to be absolutely different than anything else. Hebrews Hebrews chapter 11 talks again about another woman who has been, who's received this same power. Hebrews 11, 11, it says here that, that, that Sarah received the power to conceive. Now look at the two actions here. It says she received power to conceive seed and she bore a child. So it wasn't the power to birth a child. It was a power to conceive that she could birth. See, the mother's power is not that she can just birth it. The mother's power is that she can conceive it. Have you noticed that a mom can see something that no one else can see? I looked at the boy and I saw socks and a bib. She's like, look at him. He's Superman. No, he's not. He's not Superman. Because fathers are literal. No. He needs an S on his chest. No, he's got, he's got, I don't know. He's got the tights on his arms and he's got the bib. Look at him, he's Superman. And, and flipped around in pajama suit. And, and, and no, no, he, he's not Superman. Because mom can see something. She has been given the power to conceive the seed. It's interesting because the seed doesn't come from her. Isn't that strange that, that Sarah received the power to conceive the seed? You, you, you know, the word conceive means this. To, to, it's the foundation. It's the concepts. She is one, she's the first one that has the concept of things. She's a conceiver. Do you understand that word? It means that she comes up with the thought process and the idea, and she can see the dimensions of it. Mom, don't, don't you dare waste this ability. 
to see beyond what everybody else sees. That's why a mom will say, why are you messing with my boy? My boy hasn't done anything. She'll go to the, she'll go to the police. She'll go to the school and everybody else is wrong. You guys don't know anything about that, but everybody else is wrong. He didn't do, he had it in his pocket, ma'am. It was in his pocket. We caught him with it. We have him on video. It wasn't him. You got something wrong with your video. You need to get your video right. Your video's wrong. That's not him. He don't do that. My boy don't steal. If you guys would take care of him and feed him and just give it if he comes in, he'd be a, you made him do it. It's a mother has the ability to conceive something that's not real because she's going to birth it. If mom, if you can conceive it, you can achieve it. You've got to see it. You've got to see it like God would see you. You've got to see it in a realm of faith. Preaching this message made me think, I, Lord, I'm so glad. Uh, I wish I was a woman faith, but I'm so glad I'm a man. But I wish I had, to, I, I want to say it right because I don't want anybody thinking, oh, pastor, he's flipping. He's, uh, <laughs> no, we ain't doing that. We got, that's a devil. We got no confusion going on right now. But I do want to bring some things into the earth. And I want to pull on that anointing of a mother who's able to see something that no one else sees. That anointing that is able to believe that no one else believes. 2 Timothy 1 5 says this. I want you to see this because I believe that there's something that when when that the level of pain and the level of faith that it takes for you to birth something is the framework that that thing you birth will walk in. The, 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 if, it, if it comes easy, the children will walk in easy. If it comes through lots of vision, dreaming, birthing, believing, praying, Waiting. All those things are being added to the DNA, spiritual and natural DNA of the son or daughter, of the joy. It's all being added. There's something that you need to know that I've heard from from rabbis. They say that in the Hebrew culture, it's hard for women to get pregnant. And yet they have a blessing on them to have babies. Why is it hard for them to get pregnant? We see it biblically, but it's still in this day. It's hard for them to get pregnant because it's not a purposeless pregnancy. It's a purposeful, intentional birthing that comes from a lot of dreaming, a lot of fighting. Because if they come into the world easy, they will never be able to handle the persecution that's associated to being Jewish. So they need to be, they need to come through a birth channel that's tough. Because if it comes easy, you live in ease and you look for ease. 
I'm trying to tell you, maybe it's not coming as fast as you want it to come because God needs them or needs him or needs her or needs it to have the kind of tenacity that it takes to keep on dreaming when everybody else stopped dreaming. That if you had it easy, you wouldn't be able to pass that faith. Look what it says. Tim, Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.5, it says, when I call to remember it's the genuine faith that is in you. This is, he's talking about the faith that's in Timothy. This genuine, someone say genuine. It's, it's, it's a sincere faith. It's, it's, the word is literally sincerity. This sincere faith, this faith that doesn't have any pollution. How am I doing on time? Am I out preaching my, my, my welcome here? I want you to know that there is a genuineness that comes to your faith when you fight. When you, when you fight for what you're believing for, when you stand when everybody else has gone home and turned off the lights and you're still there with a candle, believing and hoping and praying. Come on, somebody. When you're believing and hoping and praying and everybody else is done and they popped out 15 of what you've been believing for, when you're still believing, there is a faith that is genuine, that faith that is like God. It's not of you. It's not for you. It's not about you, but it's about what God wants to bring into the earth. Hannah's rival, she kept talking about her kids, my kids. That's polluted. That's not sincere. It's your kids and a little bit of God's kids. But Hannah says, I'm going to give him completely for the rest of your life to you. Sincere faith says, I don't need to do anything but to partner with you with absolute faith. I don't need anything out of this anymore. I just want to birth it. I don't need to serve anything. I just want to birth it. You know, one of the gentlemen I had the privilege of meeting in the last few years was uh, the, the author of The Shack. You might not like him, but I, I, I like him. I like him. I, I do. I, I enjoy him. I think he's a good thinker. I'm not saying I believe with everything, but I, I don't believe everything you th- think either. And I, and I get to like you and maybe not. But it doesn't keep me from doing my job with you, of pastoring you. To pastor you doesn't mean I got to like you. I'm just being sincere about my faith. So I, I'm, you know, I'm with connected with him, and and you know what's really interesting is the whole time you think, man, this guy he sold 19 million books, 20 million books. He comes to find out, and he shares in one of the conferences that he is not making a dime off any of those books. He gave it all away, even with the the movie that came out. God said, the movie rights of the shack, give it away. When you fought through the things that he had to fight through that birthed that book. At that point, you don't care about making the money. You just want to see your baby live. You don't care about having your name on it. You just want to see your baby live. That's called sincere faith. 
that when you don't actually care about how it's going to benefit you, you just want to see something come from the invisible and be manifest in the natural. And every year, if I can just bring him a little cloak of ephod, a little linen ephod that causes him to look like he can go to his next level. So what's next? He writes the book. He writes, then there's the movie. Who knows what's next? But just keep on putting that little ephod on it. And it keeps on growing. I think sometimes the reason it's not birth is because we want it so badly and our faith is not sincere. My first coffee shop that I started was in, was in uh, Dana Point, California, actually San Clemente. And I remember I, I opened up this coffee shop in one of the biggest antique stores down there. It was just bustling, constantly bustling. And so I had this espresso come, uh, shop going and I was putting myself through school. And um, I remember everybody getting so excited about a chair that came in. It was called a stickly rocking chair. I was like, what's the, what's the big deal about a rocking chair? And they start to point out and they kept saying, it's, in, it's a sincere stickly. Sincere stickly. It means it didn't have anything except for wood holding it together. It was made completely wood. It was, there was no metal in it. And they would always know if it wasn't, if it was sincere, whether or not there was metal added to it. Can I tell you, you can't have anything added to your faith for it to be sincere. It says here, it says here, uh, I bring in remembrance, the genuine, sincere faith that is in you. Someone say in you. This is in Timothy, which dwelt first. Now this, this faith that you're receiving may not start with you. It's a dwelling in someone else that gets birthed into you. which dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice. And I'm persuaded is also functioning in you. I believe that what it took for, for, uh, for Timothy's mother to birth him and to keep him on the track of walking with God to a man that wasn't a believer. An uncircumcised man that, that Paul picked Pick Timothy. He says, I want you to come and serve me because of what your mother put in you. Even though his father had a high position, but he was an unbeliever, uncircumcised, had no faith. This faith was passed on. Mom, what you, what, what you birth through, what you walk through, what you're going through is birthing something in your children. How you handle life is birthing something in your children. How you overcome is birthing birthing something in your children. I don't know if they're not, I don't know if they're getting it at all. Just keep on walking through your faith. Keep on believing, but I'm not healed yet. Keep on believing. Don't stop believing because your children are being empowered with faith. But it doesn't look like I have victory all the time, but you're not quitting. Keep on pushing. Is this helpful? I'm helped. I'm helped because my mother, my mother, a Muslim, but I remember my mom, she is a dreaming, dreaming, dreaming woman. She dreams. 
She's always dreaming. Something fails, well, she's got another dream. Always dreaming. And I was meditating on the fact that I am an always dreamer too. And I received that always dream because from my mother and from my grandmother. Oh, always something's going to turn around. Something's going to happen. One day it's going to happen. One day it's going to come to pass. One day something's going to happen. One day I'm going to do this. My grandmother, I remember my grandmother, she was, she shocked me because I just got saved. And my grandmother, I would say she's maybe in her seventies. She gets this keyboard and this little tiny, I think, I mean, what is it, 48 keys, little, little key keyboard and it's next to her bed. And I'm saying, mom, what are you doing with that keyboard? She goes, I'm going I'm to learn to play the piano. I'm like, you're, mom, uh, just chill. Go make some cornbread. Just chill out. And she's like, no, I'm going to, and she's in there, clink, clink, and she's working that. And I said, why are you doing this? She goes, because I want to do a crusade. I'm like, what? I'm going to do a crusade. And I'm like, mom, what, what are you doing? I'm going to do a crusade on the hilltop of Tacoma. Do you know, she learned a couple songs and she pulled together a group of seven day Venice and she went to the hilltop of Tacoma and did a crusade. I'm like, I got that faith. I got, I may sound like I'm just plinking now. But I, I, I realized, I realized, because my grand, I remember, I remember my grandmother, she went to the, the doctor and she came back and I said, well, how, what did the doctor say? Because she wasn't feeling well. She said, the doctor said, I got only this much to live. And I remember I was in high school and I said, well, mom, go rest, go sit down. Cause she's down there. She's making food and she's cooking and she's making some greens. And she did it, you know, she did cornbread in the skillet, you know, in the, not that old like pan stuff, in the, the crispy iron skillet. I'm like, come on, granny. Now Crisco. That, he's a beautiful, <laughs> he know, beautiful. See, cause if, it, if it's not Crisco in that skillet, with the burnt little crusty, oh goodness, Lord. She would be now, and I'm like, Mom, won't you chill out? Just go, just go and relax. This is my grandma. Go relax. She goes, No, Tracy, if I if I sit down, I'll die. But if I'm going to live, I'm gonna take care of my family. And she spent, she spent the I mean, she spent, I mean, they told her 20, that was 20 plus years they've been telling. She said, they've been telling me I'm gonna die for the longest time. Come on, how many of you know you can, you, if you can conceive yourself dying, you're dying. But if you can conceive yourself living, it doesn't matter if they tell you to stop something, you're going to keep on living. And she kept on living and she was like a sign and a wonder. I remember there was time she had a stroke and I, I, she, they put her in a home down there in Puyallup and I walked in. I said, mom, I said, okay, you ready? She goes, no, I'm not ready. She said, get me out of here. She said, nobody's going to get me out of here. You get me out of here. So, I mean, we, we sat there. I'm like, okay, mom, I'll get you out of here. I got, we, my wife and I, we got her out of there and she recovered again. She said, if I stay in this place, I'll die. Get me out of here. 
take me home. She goes, I want to finish my life at home. I don't want to finish my life in this old place. I want to go and cook my cornbread, put some hot sauce on my chicken. Man, that tenacity, that woman, that tenacity, but that is in my mom. That's my mom. My mom, remember I told you a year ago, two years ago, she was diagnosed with cancer. Then her, her intestines exploded. And diterfic, delighted, something, something exploded. And she's like, yeah, we go down to my son, and she's just in the bed, happy, like, you want to go do something? Can I get you something? Like, no, we're here to visit you. But she refuses. That's not the way she's going to go. Come on, Mom. I remember last year, you're like, well, I'm not going. That's not the way I go. There's a power to conceive. Oh, my goodness, I feel this inside of me. There's a power to conceive. Can I read one more? So, so Hannah is praying, and she's, Eli comes, and Eli is not the sharpest priest. Because you can tell by his kids, he wasn't the sharpest cookie. And so Hannah's praying and she's seeking God and she's muttering and she's in her heart praying and she's praying this powerful prayer in her heart. She's not yelling it. She's praying in her heart. This powerful prayer says, I want the God of armies to come to my behalf right now. And, 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 and Eli sees her and he thinks she's drunk. How I mean, you know faith makes you appear to be drunk? But it's not faith. It's, it's the fact the Bible says in, 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 in Romans chapter five, tribulation perseverance equal, then he brings you to hope. And that hope is there because the Holy Spirit is shed abroad in your heart that you can be filled with the Holy Spirit and appear to be drunk, but the whole time your faith is rising because of tribulation. It's interesting. You can't have hope without tribulation. You can't have hope without tribulation and you can't have hope without perseverance. Hope is all is the byproduct of pain. Well, I want to have hope, not until you have some pain. So when God says through pain, he's given you the anointing of hope. I've been talking way too long. Through pain, through pain. But we want want to get away from the pain. But the pain is the access point to your faith because you don't have faith until you have hope. And if you don't have hope, you don't have faith. And if you don't have faith, you can't birth. And if you don't have faith, you can't pass on because faith is, it's, it's transferable. So she's there praying and she's declaring. And he goes, how long are you going to be drinking? Why don't you stop the drinking? What's up with you? He's like, you're in the house, Lord. Why are you just drunk? All drunk and stuff. And she goes, no, I'm in anguish. I am in despair. One translation, the message Bible says, I am hard used. It's amazing when you're birthing something, how you can feel like you're being used. Believing for something. I'm worn out. Believing. He said to her, she said to him, sorry, she said, I am believing God for something. I'm here believing God for something. And he says, then then go in peace. Let it be upon you. Let your prayers be answered. 
listen, this, this next thing I want you to see here. It says in, in uh, let's put the message Bible up one more time. First Samuel chapter one. And, and we're going to read this. I think it starts in verse 17. Message Bible is funny with its, its references. It says, Eli answered her, go in peace and may the God of Israel give you what you have asked of him. The next verse, it says, think well of me. And pray. This is what she's saying. And pray for me. She says, don't think that I'm kind of drunk. When you think of me, pray for me. Believe. Pray with me. And she said, now watch. She said, and went her way. And then she ate heartily. I mean, her appetite came back. How many of you know you lose your appetite when you're you're still in despair? But when you know it's done. How many of you know there's a moment? When your appetite comes back, that's when you know it's finished. Come on, girl. When you can eat. It didn't say she ate a light meal. She ate that big old meal. You going to eat that? You going to eat that? Hey, what what you eating? And she, she started eating like someone that was getting ready to have a child. She started eating like someone that was getting ready. And, and her face, radiant. I love the fact that you guys call the women's ministry radiant. Because the faith is, your face is radiant. Something is birthing. Something's come in the past. Look at the next verse. I, this, this is one of my favorite verses uh, in all of this. Um, don't interpret anything. But up, be, up before dawn, they worshiped God and returned home to Ramah. Elkanah slept with Hannah, his wife. Let's move on. So I don't want you to think that's my favorite part of it. Very interesting. (laughs) You know you can't have a baby until certain activities are handled. If you're believing by faith and you're not working. There's only been one Mary. I read this and I thought, well, should I actually talk about the fact that we pray like it's up to God, but we work like it's up to us? Thank you, Pastor Nick. You got it. You got it. You guys, you guys, can you talk like this in church? You guys are mothers. Hello. You know. <laughs> oh, I got to stop right now because I got all kind of... Wow. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Stop it now. Stop. I got to pull it in. Something's going to come out if I don't Let's pull it in. God began. Now watch. They are making arrangements. And God began. Do you see that God began? And God began. Now I want you to see this because God began to make arrangements. Make the necessary. As you are making arrangements, God begins. To make the necessary arrangements. I thought to myself, that sounds like a process that God's working. Behind the scenes. 
when you're done kissing, God began. <laughs> to make necessary. Is there anyone with me? There's some necessary arrangements being made. God is making phone calls. God is sending emails. God is making arrangements for the thing that you're praying for, the thing that you've been birthing, the thing that you've been hoping. God is behind the scenes making arrangements. He's making arrangements in response I know I'm taking my time with this because I just think this is an edifying position here. God, you may may not like how long God's arrangements take to come along, but if he says it's necessary, it's necessary. God doesn't do anything to waste his time. He does only necessary Things in accordance to what needs to happen for the strength of that to come to conceive and to be born. I, I just thought this was edifying to me. God, you're making arrangements when it feels like we're just plugging along here, birthing something. It's not going as fast as I want. It's not as exciting. Man, I want more. I want more. I'm hungry for more. And God's saying, son, you just keep on kissing. I don't know about this Northwest. Keep on kissing it. I don't know about that Bellevue. Keep on kissing. I'm making some necessary arrangements to do what you've asked me to do. It's amazing how long that feels. I know this is an hour-long message, but you're getting it. Happy Mother's Day. Necessary arrangements in response to what she had asked, dedicating the child to God. Now, who's dedicating the child to God? She's asked for the child to come, but God's saying, I am making the proper arrangements if this child is dedicated to me. It can't come at, a, at your pace. It can't come. The, the thing is that God, if you're birthing something for God, it's got to be at a higher level. It's got to be an exalted level. And it may take longer for it to come to pass in your level because you're like, I could have just whipped that out real quick. But God's saying, if it's dedicated to me, I only accept the best. Is it taking too long? Well, maybe it's dedicated to God. Amen. Let's stand together. Our prayer team is coming forward. I, I want to just talk to uh, those here, mothers. I want to pray for mothers for in a, in a moment. But I, I want to talk to everybody just about salvation for a second before we even get into a Mother's Day blessing for our moms. And I'm going to bless you. I'm going to release a blessing over you, mothers, in, in, in this session. And I want you to go out with an encouragement that God, has, his hand is on you. That anything that's in the earth, it all, it all came through a mother. 
There's nothing alive that didn't come through a mother. Isn't that amazing? I just think that's amazing. I think it's a miracle. But there's something about Mary's life because she also had the host of angels. The Lord of angels was associated to Mary in bringing Jesus into the earth. I want to just declare to you that Jesus came into the earth for one thing, and that's to bring you home, to bring you in the right standing with God, to get you right with God, to make sure that you are connected to God. I want to encourage you that God has a plan for you, and it's a dedicated plan. That he, he took his time. It's amazing because I thought to myself, you know the fall happened that many years ago. 4,000 years ago, and then it took you 4,000 years to get your son Jesus to come. What were you doing in all of those years? And I realized from this scripture, it's the necessary arrangements. It had to be the right time. Some of you, you've been just kind of thinking about getting saved, thinking about giving your heart to the Lord, but I want you to know maybe this is the right time for you. Maybe this is the time where God has been making necessary arrangements for your heart to say, yes, I want him. I need him. For him to go through all of that effort to get my attention, why wouldn't I want to be loved by someone who does that? With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you have never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to encourage you to do so today. I want to encourage you to open up your heart. There's a lot of questions. There's always questions. Can I tell you? There's always questions. I'm in constant questions with God, even though I know him, even though he's in my life and I'm in his life and we have a closeness. But don't let your questions hinder you from receiving the love. I just feel like there's someone that says, well, when he answers my questions, then I'm going to make the decision. Can I tell you? It's easier to answer questions if we're always on the same couch. We need to get in the same room together. We need to be in the same face-to-face together. And then we can talk about the questions. If you're distant from him, those questions are hard to answer. If you come close, he can answer those questions. Draw near to him and he'll draw near to you. If you have not given your heart to Jesus, today's a wonderful day to do it. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, is there anyone in this room or watching online, live on Facebook? If there is anyone here right now and you need to make sure that you're right with God and you want to come close and you may have questions and please don't put your questions away, but step close into the relationship and he'll answer the questions. 